0: welcome to another great message at anchor church we pray this message will encourage inspire and transform your life our heart is to share the hope of jesus with our city and nation so here's what i felt that i wanted to share with you uh, today work is a four-letter word to many people uh hearing uh, about work does not always evoke pleasant feelings, and you know if we look at uh, the plural of the word works, that it's something that even Christians could sometimes consider in a, a negative light, but I want to show you today that uh, not all works are necessarily bad or negative. And obviously, the New Testament warns us against uh, some so-called good works. They might even look good, but they are not good because they do not produce good. So, um, for example, the Bible says that we cannot be justified by works of the law. We know that religious works cannot clear our bad track record, It's only faith in Jesus, our Savior, that can make a difference. Uh, We also learn that we cannot be saved by our so-called works of righteousness because salvation is by God's grace and God's goodness. And and these works of the law or works of righteousness are basically um, dead works from which we should turn away. The Bible teaches us that. But there are good works that are really good. And it's interesting that the word good and the word works actually go together right through the Bible. And if you study the New Testament, you'll find the phrase good works or good work or something similar appearing more than 30 times in in the New Testament. So I want to show you that the words work or works could have a positive meaning. So if I could give a title to my message this morning, it's good works that work. And uh, I wanted to call it good works that actually work. And then in not so good English, good works that work good. <laughs> but you, you get the point. And if I, can, if I can immediately lay the foundation here and make this statement, good works can only work if they are God works. And it's so vital to see that. So if I can start in the book of Ephesians, Uh, chapter 2, I want to show you that God is the source of all good works. Ephesians 2, and I think a vital scripture from verse 8 to 10. It says, by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then he says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So note here uh, Paul's focus on grace and faith and the fact that, that we receive these as gifts from God. I want to say this, that grace does not cancel the necessity for works, but it increases the effectivity of works. That's what it, what it does. So, Paul very clearly says this. Now, I want you to look at verse 9. He says, we were not saved of works, but then in verse 10, he says, we were saved for works. And I think that's important to, to see that we, in fact, we are the result of God's workmanship, And uh, good works are not the root of our salvation, but they should be the fruit of our salvation. It should be something that that we uh, produce. Now, I have uh, looked at this and I've identified at least five kinds of good works in the New Testament. And um, I want to share that with you. And um, I, I, I want us to look at these categories of works in detail. And some of these good works will need a a bit more consideration to give us a proper understanding of what the Bible says. But let me, before I get that, also give you a bottom-line attitude that you should have towards works. And here's what the book of Hebrews tells us. And it seems like a paradox. It says this, labor to enter the rest. And if you can keep that attitude all the time and realize that it's not about my energy and ability, but it's about God working in and through me, and then these things will make sense. So here's the first kind of good works that the Bible speaks of or that that I identified, and it's the good works of duty. And when I speak about the good works of duty, I'm referring to your everyday, your ordinary work. Uh, We sometimes call it secular work. Uh, But these are works of duty or works of responsibility. And I uh, purposely started with this kind of work because all the other good works you'll see are easily recognizable as good works. But sometimes people cannot see the everyday ordinary work of duty as a good thing. Especially, you know, you get what I call uber-spiritual people. And I'm not referring to someone in a taxi praying, (laughs) uber-spiritual means excessively religious, super-spiritual. So I'm going to spend a bit of time on on specifically this kind of of good works. Let me again start in the book of Ephesians, and here's an interesting scripture where God speaks about your everyday work of duty in chapter 4 and verse 28. It says, let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good. Wow. So works that you do with your hands, the Bible declares it as being good. Now, what Paul says here is is very important. If you were a thief before you met God, the good news is that God changes you. But it doesn't change you from a robber to a loafer. He changes you, and he wants you to be a laborer, a worker. And, and he's talking about manual labor here. And you know what? I, I sometimes speak about the French-bred Christians because they think that life is just one long loaf. <laughs> but God declares work as something that is good. Now, obviously, listen to me. I'm speaking about work that would be honorable. Thieves would sometimes speak about uh, a job <laughs> that they're going to do. I'm not referring to that kind of work. Even today, you know, prostitutes are referred to as, uh, as sex workers. I'm talking about something that is honorable, and, and that's what the Bible speaks about. So, if you are able-bodied, the uh, message of the Bible is that God expects you to work because He's given you abilities health and strength. Now, it says you're working with his hands what is good. So this is manual work. I think some people think that manual labor is the name of someone who's immigrated here from Portugal. <laughs> He's just talking about hard work. And, and you know, some work hard, others hardly work. <laughs> But God declares hard work as something good. Uh, here's another scripture in Ephesians that emphasizes that. He says, Don't, in, this is chapter 6 and verse 6, don't work hard only when your master is watching and then shirk when he isn't looking. Work hard and with gladness all the time as though working for Christ, doing the will of God with all your hearts. Remember, the Lord will pay you for each good thing you do, whether you are slave or free. So again, he declares work as something that is good. I, I want to say this to you. Your ordinary work is not secular. If you do it for Christ, it becomes sacred because you're doing it with all your heart as unto Christ. Um, and, and I think that should, should change our perspective Uh, about our work. Our work can become an act of worship, actually, if we do it unto God. Now, if work is a good thing, it needs to be done in a good way. Listen what Colossians says, and I'm reading from the message paraphrase, chapter 3, verse 22. He addresses servants, in modern vernacular, employees, workers. Do what you're told by your earthly masters, your bosses, And don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance and that speaks about your inheritance from God. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you are serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being Christian doesn't cover up bad work. Wow. That says it very, very plainly. And then uh, I, I think... What is important to, is to see when Paul writes to Titus in chapter 2, he speaks about the work that needs to be done well with the right motives, which will then glorify God. It, uh, Titus 2 verse 9, Exhort bond servants, workers, to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing, to bring good pleasure. That's what it means. In all things, not answering back, not pilfering. And pilfering means stealing, embezzling, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For me, this is one of the most amazing scriptures because the gospel is already the most beautiful message that you can find, but it says you can make the gospel more attractive. You can adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So um, uh, in, in, in the book of uh, the two letters to the Thessalonians. Paul speaks about the benefits that hard work can bring. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he says this in verse 12, Respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Please listen to what he says. It's not about the person even. It's about the work that they're doing. And respect them in, in that sense. And then he he uh, uh, says here, and, and he speaks about the work of ministry, by the way, which I'll discuss later. He says, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. And he's speaking here of, of the lazy, the loafers, the freeloaders, the non-working. And then he says, encourage or comfort the timid. Help the weak, be patient with everyone. So there are a couple of, of good things here. He says, uh, 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 encourage, help, be patient. But then when it comes to the lazy, he says, warn them. And we need to, to do that. Now, it's, it's very interesting, that word idle used in verse 14 there. He says, warn the idle is, is a very interesting word. It actually means someone who is not working or, in fact, refuses to work. And some translations use the word uh, disorderly because they're out of order. You know, when you go to a vending machine and there's a sign that says out of order, what does that mean? It's not working. Some people actually <laughs> should have a sign. It's not working. That's, that's what it says. Now, let me skip to 2 Thessalonians because here's something interesting here. In 2 Thessalonians 3 from verse 4, he says, we have given, uh, we have confidence in, in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. Interesting, that word do, that verb, the noun is a is a Greek word that means to work with the results of producing or creating something. And Paul Commends them for that. Then he says, uh, let, let me skip to verse 6. He says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this sounds serious if he addresses something like this. We command you, brothers. So this is serious. To keep away from every brother. This is really serious. Who is idle? Who's refusing to work? And does not live according to the teaching you receive from us? For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. Now listen to this, because you'll see three English words, in fact three Greek words too. He says, "On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you." And I don't want to bother you with the Greek words there, but Three different words here. The one means work with um, the involvement of effort. The second one means work with the effect of weariness. And the third one means work with the effect of painfulness. So Paul did all of these things, and he uh, considered it to be a a good thing. So um, in verse 9, he says, we did this uh, to be a model, a pattern for you. And then in verse 10, he says this. Even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Wow. Interesting. This has been a principle from the beginning. Go and read the book of Genesis. And God first gave Adam and Eve the command to work. And then He said, you are free to eat. (laughs) from any tree except the, uh, the one tree. So it's a spiritual law. First work, then eat. So, no labor, no lunch. No work, no waffles. No toil, no tea. Well, it, it, some people still consider work to be part of the curse. They work before the curse. You see, what came with the curse is the effort, the struggle, the sweat. That was the result of the curse. So it's not a curse to work. And some people are very superstitious. Uh, Even today, they will not work in any week that has a Friday in it. (laughs) So in verse 11, he says, we hear that some among you are idle. They're not busy. They are busy bodies. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And then he says, such people, we command and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ. uh, So again, this is very serious, to settle down and earn the bread that they eat. And then he he encourages them to keep on working and doing what is right. So so it's very interesting in Genesis uh, where God uh, said to them, work and then you can eat. And then in the same chapter, in chapter 2, it speaks about God working and then resting. So you cannot rest until you've worked. That's the bottom line. And um, as I said in the beginning, labor to enter uh, the rest of God. Now, here is one of God's principles of prosperity. If you want to be blessed, here's what he says in the Old Testament in Proverbs 10 and verse 4. It says, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Don't just say, I pray that God will prosper and bless me. Do something. Hard work is the yeast that raises the dough. (laughs) And it's only in the dictionary that success comes before work. Some of you will get it tonight, but (laughs) I thought I'll just throw that in. So don't be lazy, don't be slothful, don't be sluggish. Some people, you know, even when it comes to the ministry, they think the ministry is for sluggards and sloths. And uh, maybe some people should call their ministry Johnny Sluggard Ministries. And I'm not referring to anybody alive or dead. (laughs) Here's another scripture in Proverbs. Listen to this, Proverbs 6 and verse 6. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. (laughs) Consider its ways and be wise. Can I I hear some good news for for the ladies? Uh, It's not a good translation in English because the word, the reference to the ant there is actually female. It should read, consider her ways and be wise. Come on, ladies, you must have got a good opportunity to say amen there. And then if you read, read further, he speaks about the fact that we should not sleep and slumber, but we should or be a sluggard, but we should actually work. So let me finish this section because I still have much to share, and my, my time is running out. Uh, here's some workable quotes about work. "If you want God to bless whatever you put your hand to, don't put it in your pocket. If you're looking for a helping hand, Look at the end of your own arm. (laughs) If you want to climb the ladder of success, don't try it with folded arms. If you're waiting for something to turn up, start with your sleeves. (laughs) And if you're waiting for a slap on the back, even a mosquito doesn't get a slap on the back until he's done the work. So I thought I'll just uh, mention that. (laughs) Right. Now, I want to conclude every time by making sure that we have a balanced view of the good works that we are involved in so that we don't just focus on our own abilities. We must always see God as the source, and it's not about us and our power. In, In the message of Moses to Israel, in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 7, he speaks about this and it's still true for us today. He says, be careful not to say my own ability and skill have gotten me this wealth. You must remember the Lord your God for he's the one who gives ability to get wealth. Wow, so that should be our attitude all the time. Okay, let me move on because the second kind of work that I wanna focus on and I don't think I'll, I'll be able to cover uh, all, all five, but let me at least touch on the good works of morality. In, um, in the New Testament, the word for good used this word uh, ag- agathos, which has the meaning of being good in character and beneficial in effect. When God changed you at your new birth, he gave you a new DNA. He gave you his nature. Your very character was transformed. Now, what is important now, that good character that God placed in you must now be expressed in uh, a good conduct. Your Christian virtues and values should be revealed in your good behavior. Uh, uh, as I said, grace doesn't cancel good works. So in a number of instances... Very interesting, Paul equates what is good, he equates godly works with light, and then contrasts these works of morality with evil, fruitless works of darkness. Listen to this scripture, and again, from Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, Once you lived in the dark, but now the Lord has filled you with light. Live as children who have light. Light produces everything that is good. That has God's approval, and that is true. Determine which things please the Lord. Have nothing to do with the useless works that darkness produces. Instead, expose them for what they are. In Romans, he continues with the same theme. He says in chapter 13, verse 12 quit the evil deeds of darkness and put on the armor of right living, as we who live in the daylight should be decent and true in everything you do, so that all can approve your behavior. So that's what good works of morality are. It's your conduct. And then Jesus himself said this in Matthew 5, 6. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm want to move on to the next thing, but let me just again uh, remind you to maintain a proper perspective of of your good works of morality uh, by recognizing that it's God who is at work in you. I love these scriptures from Philippians chapter 2, 13. It is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then Philippians 1.5 says that God initiates every work and he's the one who will complete it. I'm sure, Paul says, that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished. Thank God I often say this. You started this. I never started this. He started the good work in me and he will finish it. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Okay, let me move on to another important good work, and that is the good works of generosity. As I said, the word agathos in Greek means good in character, but also beneficial in effect. You cannot just say, well, that, or somebody that doesn't do anything." And say, so, you know, he's, he's a good guy. No, he's not good. He's just harmless. <laughs> you know, there's an expression in English that says that guy has a heart of gold. If he does nothing, he's like a hard-boiled egg, also has a heart of gold. <laughs> so, so goodness, in fact, is this combination of virtue and generosity. That's why it's associated with giving. Ephesians, again, the scripture we read earlier, chapter 4, 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but let him labor, working with his hands what is good, and I left out this last part because I want to focus on it here, that he may have something to give him who has need. I said this, God doesn't change you from a robber to a loafer, but to a laborer. But think about this. Robbers and loafers are both takers. When you are changed to a worker or a laborer. God's not finished with the transformation process. He wants you to become a giver, a laborer who does not just work for himself or herself, but works so that he can be a blessing or she can be a blessing to others. And that's what generosity is about. You need to become a giver. I like what Martin Luther said, the well-known Protestant reformer. He said, God does not need our good works, but our neighbor does and you have something that can bless your neighbor. And God is a giver. Uh, I, I love what Jesus said about his father in Matthew seven eleven. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your good father give um, good things to those who ask him? So God is a giver. And Hebrews 13, 16, don't forget to do good and to share. First Timothy 6, 18, command rich people to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And then Acts 9, verse 36, speaks about a disciple called Tabitha who was full of good works and charitable deeds. So it's important to, to see that... Um, Works of generosity are part of good works. I want to conclude this section with 2 Corinthians 9. And I don't have time to read it. Please go read it at home here from verse 6 onwards. It speaks about sowing in the uh, sense of of giving. And then uh, he speaks about the fact that God is the one who will enable you to be a a giver of good things. Go and read where he speaks about good works, etc., etc., and um, let, me, let me move on to the next work of uh, good work, and that's the good works of divinity. As I said before, God is the author and the source of all good works, and uh, He does all kinds of works. Ephesians 1.11 speaks about Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So God does everything that is good. Uh, And and in the Psalms, it says, uh, I like this one in Psalm 119, where it speaks about God and says, you are good and do good, because God expresses his works. But under works of divinity, I want to speak specifically about supernatural works that God does through people. And again, the emphasis is, it comes from God. And Jesus, John 9, 4 says, I must work the works of him who sent me. In John 10, 32, he says, I have done many good works. And that uh, scripture says, at the direction of uh, my father. And then I like this scripture, We, we all know it very well, Acts 10, 38, where it says that God anointed or empowered Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power, who went about feeling good. Is that what it says? Oh, sorry. Who went about looking good? No. Who went about doing good? You see, it's not about feeling good. Church is not to make you feel good or even to make you look good. It's about doing good. That's why God empowers you. And then he speaks about healing, and he speaks about uh, people being set free from uh, demons, etc., etc. So Jesus went about doing good. Some people just go about. God wants to use you. And the good news in John 14, 12 is that Jesus said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. I think we need to be more aware of the fact that God wants to use you, not just the so-called professional Christians. God wants to use you because signs and wonders followed those who believed, not those who were in the pulpit. Amen. And so it's, it's important. Now, again, I don't have to remind you of this, but, um, but Jesus himself said that we need to know that these are works of divinity, not my ability. John 14, 10, he, Jesus said, even my words are not my own, but come from my Father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Hallelujah. Hmm, I actually managed to get to the last one, the good works of ministry. Sorry that I had to rush through these things, but I want to give you as much as possible. Now, I I want to start off by saying this. Our English word minister comes from a Latin word that is spelled exactly the same. But it's interesting that the, the root of that Latin word is the word minus, minus, and the word minor minor. So please if you if you think that minister is a title of status, I have to remind you you're a minus. (laughs) You're a minor. Because minister means servant means being subservient. It's not a, 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 a title. It's a function of serving people. So the works of ministry refer to acts of service unto uh, other people. And I like what, uh, what Ephesians 4.12 says because it involves all believers. It, it speaks about the fivefold ministry equipping the saints for the work of ministry. If you've never heard this before, I have news for you. You are in the ministry because you're a saint. You're a holy one of God. And all that the fivefold ministry is doing is equipping you for your work of the ministry. Every believer has a ministry. So um, uh, uh, Paul says uh, it is for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, how do we know uh, that the work of the ministry is good Uh, because edification is something good. Ephesians 4, 29, he speaks about what is good for necessary edification. So, uh, Paul speaks about the function, and please listen to me. uh, The longer I'm in the ministry, the less I care about titles. Because it's not about titles, it's about function. And here's what he says, because, you know, there's so many bishops today, and we think that bishop is a, is a title of status and authority. Is it okay if I, if I say something Afrikaans, they can translate for you, Will, later. <laughs> but for me, right now, in Johannesburg, everybody wants to be bishop. You know what bishop is? A servant an overseer, somebody who keeps an eye, that's what the word episkopos in Greek means, to keep an eye on, to care for people, to serve people in that way. And in 1 Timothy 3.1, he says, if someone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a good work. Hallelujah. And then, um, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, you can read that again where he speaks about works of service and reinforcing that these are all gifts of God. It's not your ability, it's his. Okay. Whew. Let me close with a few quotes. I want to start with, with something Reiner Bonker said. He said, the church of Jesus Christ is not a pleasure boat. It's a lifeboat." From the captain to the cook, all hands are needed on deck. You see, on this ship, there are no passengers or entertainers, only workers. You've been saved to serve. And I think that word that that Will gave us this morning is from the Lord about, you know, fulfilling the vision, doing something. Not just boasting about... Prophecy spoken over your visions that you've had, but actually fulfilling them and being obedient to that heavenly vision. And then if I can uh, close with this uh, quote, usually attributed to John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, um, and there are many versions of it, but just listen to the truth of his words. He said, do all the good you can with all the zeal you can, By all means you can, in all ways you can, in all the places you can, at all times you can, to all people you can, as long as ever you can. So we are called for good works. In Ephesians 2.10, if I can close with that again, where he speaks about the fact that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we can just walk in then. It's one of the most liberating verses ever because I don't have to think up something good to do. God already prepared it for me. I just need to discover it and walk in it. How liberating is that? Let's stand.